Well, hello. How is everybody this morning? Is that you're full? That's why I couldn't eat. Boy, I wanted to eat that good-looking food, but it's like before you minister, I don't always like to eat because I like to be sensitive and make sure I'm saying what God says, right? What He wants me to say. This is kind of. Can you help me just a minute, Deb? I, I'm afraid I won't be able to turn my head. <laughs> then you'll see me go flying. <laughs> Great, thank you. Okay, well, I just want to thank pastors De- or Pastor John and Deb Neitzel for having me and having us. It's an honor to do this. It's very humbling to think that someone would want to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> but I guess I've been in the ministry a while now, and um, I am a. I grew up in Minnesota, so I'm a native Minnesotan. I don't know if that thrills you guys or not, but. <laughs> I live in Iowa, but I grew up in Fargo-Moorhead, and uh, I grew up Catholic, and I am the eighth child out of nine, so I fought for my food at the table. (laughs) And my parents, um, the the reason I'm here today is because, well, obviously because of my parents, but they were involved in the charismatic movement in the 70s, and they got born again and spirit-filled, and then you know, trickled on down. And I remember being three years old and raising my hands at Strawberry Lake at a prayer meeting and praising God and sensing the call on my life. And so as I got older, of course, the only thing I could relate to was being Catholic. And I remember telling my dad one day, I just don't want to be a nun. I thought, I do not want to be a nun. That is not my idea of ministry. And so... Of course, he didn't say much about it because, you know, he was Catholic. So that's the only thing you can be, you know, when you're Catholic as a nun. So um, when I was a senior in high school, I was graduating and I just knew that I had to seek God for my life. And I was spirit-filled and I knew that I had to get on my face and pray in tongues. And I made the change to the Assembly of God Church because my parents would take us there on Sunday night. My dad said, this is what the Catholic Church is missing. And he didn't even make me go to confirmation class because confirmation class, you know, I already had the Holy Spirit. I didn't need to go to confirmation class. But I went anyway because who wants to explain that to all their friends? Well, I have the Holy Spirit. They're going to look at you like, what are you talking about? And so um, I went anyway, and my dad was surprised. But um, so... That's kind of a background of where I came from, which I always think is, sounds kind of interesting because, you know, you usually don't meet a Catholic girl who's a pastor's wife, you know. And then when I go back, you know, see any of my Catholic friends, I always wonder what they're thinking. Because, you know, if you're Catholic and you leave the Catholic church, you're going to hell. And so when I tell them I'm a pastor's wife, they're just like, oh. It's like, it's okay, you know. I'm okay with it, so we're all okay. So... Um, Anyway, that's just a little bit about my background growing up, and that's how I got here. But then I moved to Des Moines when I was about 20 and went to work at Red Lobster, and I was a waitress, and that's where I met my husband. And um, he was my manager, and he hired me. And the first time I saw him, I thought, oh, brother, who's that nice? He's just like, hi, hi, hi. And I was very pessimistic because I had a type A dad who was, you know, I was just like him, you know. And so I thought, oh, brother, this guy's going to be a trip, you know. And so he was my new manager that hired me. And uh, 
um, I got to know him, and I thought, well, he's a nice guy. I might go on a date with him, but I'd never marry him. That's what I thought, you know? Because first of all, my husband's black, and you know, and I'm from northern Minnesota. There are no black people up there, <laughs> except for the people that come to the college, like in Concordia. And so it didn't even cross my mind. And so once we started, you know, dating and got to know each other, we actually got to know each other through our church, our Assembly of God church. We'd go out, and that was okay, because you weren't supposed to fraternize. The managers weren't supposed to fraternize with the employees at Red Lobster. And so um, anyway, he, uh, we got to know each other, and then it got to the point where, well, you know, we got married. And then uh, my husband tells me, well, you know, I'm going to be in the ministry someday. And I thought, yeah, right. I'm not going to be in no ministry. I thought, that is not what I want to do. I do not want to be a pastor's wife. Because by then, you know, I'm 19 years old, 20 years old, whatever I was, and I had made up my mind, you know, I just did whatever I wanted to do, you know, within reason. I was a Christian, you know. But I was a very mo- brought up very morally. My dad was a real stickler on morals. So, but as far as my life and what I wanted to do, I had my own ideas. And I thought my husband should be in business and general manager, or the General Mills owned Red Lobster at that time. And I thought, well, you know, the, the, the possibilities are endless. He could be, go up the corporate ladder and business. You know, I had all these grand ideas. And he goes and tells me, I'm going to be in the ministry. I thought, no way. I'm not going to be in the ministry. And so... Um, we were, I was pregnant with my first child, and um, we have four children, but I was pregnant with my first, and at that time, um, I told my husband, I don't want to hear another word about Rama because he wanted to go to Rama Bible Training Center. I said, I don't want to hear another word about Rama. I don't want to be in the ministry. We had been there and visited. I thought, I don't want to do that. Well, he said, okay, God, you told me to marry this woman. And he said, and I ain't going to Ramah without her, so you deal with her. So I was five months pregnant with my first daughter, and I had a dream. God dealt with me in a dream. And for some of us, it's more extreme, you guys. So <laughs> he, he dealt with me in a dream. And in this dream, Brother Hagen was ministering. And it was like Charlie Brown, waka, 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 waka. That's a, I couldn't hear anything Brother Hagen was saying, but he was ministering. And I woke up from this dream, and I sat up in bed, and I said, I have to let you go to Rama. And so there it was. We, had to, we moved to Tulsa, packed our bags with our one-year-old daughter, and he went to Bible school. So that's a little bit about me and how I ended up here. <laughs> so anyway, um, we do have four children. My oldest is 26, and she is at Rama, and she is in her second year of Rama. She will graduate, and then she's going to go a third year to the worship program because she feels led to worship. And um, last year, my second oldest daughter, Ashley, who's 22, she went to Rama and um, she graduated, and she got married in June, and her and her husband are youth pastors at a Rama church in Oakland, Iowa, so they went straight into the ministry. And uh, so both my girls are very close to me and dear to my heart, and, you know, we never push ministry on them, because, you know, I would never do that, you know, <laughs> especially since I didn't want to be in the ministry. So, but now that I am, just so you guys see the positive side, I really do love what I do, and I get to do... A little bit of everything. Because when I was a kid, I never knew what I wanted to do. You know, all these little girls, I want to be a nurse. I want to be this. I never knew what I wanted to do. I just knew that in geography, geography class, Des Moines stuck out and Tulsa stuck out. And I still remember that to this day. 
And those are the two places I mainly have resided, was Des Moines and Tulsa. And I'm hoping in the future that God has other things for me, because <laughs> I love to travel, and so I'm hoping that he allows us to do that once our kids are out of school. So I do have two sons, too, and they are with us this weekend. Uh, Jared is 17, he's a junior, and Jordan is my youngest, he's 15, and he's a freshman. And boys are different than girls. When my girls left home, that was very challenging for me. So the first night we sat there, and they were, uh, we were eating dinner, and I heard the forks hitting the plates. And I said, look, guys. I said, the girls are gone. I said, and I'm not going to sit here at the dinner table and listen to forks hit the plate. We're going to talk. <laughs> that was my first clue. I thought, oh, Lord, you're going to have to help me because... I don't know how to deal with these boys, you know, because they're so different. Anyway, enough of blabbing about me. But I just thought you guys should have a background because, you know, you haven't seen me in a, in a while. So, oh, we've been pastoring, senior pastoring at Destiny Bible Church. This is our 18th year in October. We have been there. And uh, we were uh, associate pastors for four years before that for a church in Des Moines. And uh, that was with Pastor Ron Brammer. So we got to be associates, too. And uh, that was very good. So <laughs> anyway, today's message, um, well, first of all, you know what? I wanted to thank pastors. I forgot. I was, got lost. Um, John and Debbie and Pastor Karen for inviting me. And I'm really excited to be here. And I really love to talk to women's groups. It's one of the funnest things that I do. So I just want you to know that I like... I like doing this, so, and we're going to have fun, and I've got a great message for you, and it's going to be encouraging. I really feel like people need to be encouraged in these last days. You guys deal with so much out there, you know. It's just like, I can just sense it, the heaviness spiritually in the last few years. You know, it's lifted a little, but it's still, there's, there's so much heaviness out there. So when I minister, I really do like to encourage you and give you hope. Amen? So... Amen. God's a good God. Okay. Well, I'm going to start off praying first, okay? Father God, I just thank you for today. I thank you for all the women in this room. I thank you, Lord, that you have a special plan for each and every one of them. From the beginning, when they were even in their mother's womb, you knew exactly what you've called them to do. And I thank you, Lord, that today that they'll know somehow by the end of this message what, you, what you've called them to do what you've put in their heart to dream. I just thank you, Father God, for every one of them. And I thank you that my, my tongue is, is the pen of a ready writer. I thank you, Lord, that I speak your words, not my words, but your words. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the title of my message is, It Shall Come to Pass. How many of you have had a dream in your heart that God has given you, and you feel like it hasn't come to pass yet? Nobody? I was going to say, there's got to be some of you. You know, the things that we're going to cover today, these are the three things I want you to remember. See it, believe it, and decree it. Okay? Those are the three things we're going to talk about. And I've got scriptures to go along with them. And I'll, I'll go over those as we get going, okay? But I just, I'm going to start off talking about seeing it. You know, um, in Proverbs 29.18 it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And the word perish means die. Okay, if you don't have vision in your life, that's, that's the end result. 
You got to have a vision. Amen. And the first step to achieving your dreams is you have to see it. And I'm not just, I'm saying in here, you have to see it in here. Okay? You've got to see something before you can build something. Okay? And if you don't have a picture in your mind or your heart of what you want to do with your life, then you're just busy. Amen? And I don't care how young or old you are. You know, we all have to have a picture in our heart of what we're going to do with our life. Because God, I guarantee you, God's called you to do something. He just hasn't called you to sit and go to work and, you know, work your nine to five, raise your kids, you know, do that. He's got things for you to do. And it's going to involve other people, okay? Because the two most important things in this world besides your, well, the two most important things is your relationship with God, your relationship with your spouse, and your relationships with other people. Okay, whether you realize it or not, you need other people. Every person in this room, there's something in there that I need and that you need from me. You know, that's why God has all of us, you know, he tells you to stay in fellowship with one another, amen? We all need something from each other and we can all impart things to each other, amen? And so, if you don't have a picture, I'm sorry, I'm getting off course, you got to have a picture of what that dream's going to be, okay? Right now, today, we have so many distractions like Facebook and social media. You know, sometimes you just got to put those things aside, and you got to work on your relationship with God, finding out what it is he's called you to do, and, you know, just spend time with him. And the most important thing you could do is dream. I never thought that I was allowed to dream because my temperament is so black and white. I'm just like, it's like this or like this. Now, of course, being in the ministry this many years, I've learned how to be gray in the areas I need to be gray, not in the areas where it counts for, you know, moral things. I'm not gray, you know. Black is black, white is white. That's just how it is. But um, the problem is, is that too many of you guys don't give yourself permission to dream and I thought I couldn't dream. I just thought, well, you know, I'm busy. I've got to do this. I've got to raise my kids. i got four kids. You know, I never even thought God had something for my life. You know, even though I told you when I was little, I felt the call and all that. Well, that was at when I was three, you know. There's a lot that happens between three and 20, you know, and you can tend to get hard in life. And then you don't dream. And you don't think, well, what's God going to have for me to do? You know, God knows the big picture. And God knows exactly what he's called you to do. He's not wondering. It's just up to you to spend time with him. Amen? You got to get a picture of what that dream is. Okay? And you do need to consult with him. I'm not just saying, you know, sit down and dream and just write out all the stuff you want to do. You can do that because a lot of times God will put those dreams in your heart and you wonder, where is this coming from? Like with me, I love to travel. You know, and I just keep thinking, I know there's got to be something that God has for me in the area of traveling and ministry. You know, I don't know what it is. We pastor. My husband is a pastor, so I know we'll probably always pastor. But there's, in addition to that, God, what have you called me to do? Okay? So, and even in your lives, maybe you're not in the five-fold ministry, but there's something God's called you to do. There's an area he's blessed you in where you're gifted and you have a lot to give to other people. Amen? My mom is 87 years old this year, and she's, she mows her own lawn. She's incredible, you know? It's like, I'm like, wow, mom. Hope I, when I'm 87, I'm mowing my lawn. And she stays busy, and she's Catholic. Like I told you, she's still Catholic. 
And um, she's involved in Bible studies, and she, she's in charge of all the funerals at her church. And every time I talk to her every week, well, I had three funerals this week. I'm like, oh, my goodness, Mom. I said, don't you ever get depressed, you know, hearing about all these funerals? She goes, no, because I knew the people. And, she, you know, that's what she's called to do. She doesn't get depressed. Now, for me, I'd be depressed. I'm thinking, how many people are going to die? You know, I don't want to think about that. That's hard for me. But that's her gifting. Her gifting is to be there and to socialize with the people. She gets to see people that she hasn't seen in years. And she loves it. And I think that's just great. I think it's great that God has, you know, blessed her to do these things and be an encouragement to other people. Amen? So no matter how old you are, God has something for you. Amen? I'm looking at my notes thinking, there's no way I'm going to get through this whole message. (laughs) Not everything that I planned, you guys. But anyway, so seeing it. We're still talking about seeing it. I want you to go to God this week and ask him, God, do you have, is there a dream that you want me to be partaking in? Is there a dream that you have for my life? Or just allow yourself to dream, to write down things that maybe you want to do, you know, and then pray over those things. And, you know, Brother Hagen always said, if you pray over something every day for a month and you write down what you think God is saying to you, that you're going to get a good idea of what God's saying to you. Even though it might be different on certain days, you'll get the big picture. It's like, oh, this is what God's trying to speak to me about. So I just want to encourage you to do that, okay? Um, Now, for the people that may know what their dream is, and you know God's calling you to do something, and you've dreamt about doing this, and you have to use your faith, right? Get a notebook out. Write down things that you're believing God for and that you're dreaming about. And just every night, you know, because if you keep things before you and you're, you're going before God and you're saying, God, this is what I have, you know, and just pray about it, he's going to start leading you in that direction. You're going to know if that's what he's called you to do. Amen? You guys are quiet. Are you enjoying this? <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I'm an interactive girl. Okay. So, um... I want to give you an example. When I first got married, um, I wanted furniture, you know, because we had rented this apartment. And so I believed God for this new furniture that was in the model apartment. I mean, you guys, it was beautiful. It was ivory and it was opaque and had pink chairs with one side had an arm, the other one didn't. And uh, I said, Lord, I want furniture like that. Someday I want furniture just like that. I mean, it was beautiful, contemporary because I'm kind of a contemporary type of girl. I like contemporary things. And so I prayed, and we made this chart. We got poster board out, and as a point of contact, you know, we traced our hands, put it on the cart, and that was just for us. You know, it's not that you have to do that, but it was for us. And we'd, we'd believe, my husband and I would believe every night for our new furniture. And I just knew God was gonna get me that furniture somehow. Well, my husband being the frugal guy that he is, we took our, our honeymoon nine months later, because we had just newly married, okay? We didn't take our honeymoon right away. We didn't have the money, so we saved up for nine months, and we went to Disney World. And so we get back, and I talked to the lady in the office of the apartment complex where this model furniture was, and I came in to pay my rent one day, and she goes, hey, do you know anyone that's looking for furniture? And I said, well, yeah, I am. And I go, what furniture is it? She goes, it's all the furniture in this model apartment. And I said, really? And she said, yes. She goes, did you know I've tried to sell that furniture 20 times and I've gotten it back 20 times? I said, really? She goes, yes. She goes, let me tell you something. 
She goes, you want this furniture? I said, yeah, but I just got back from my honeymoon. I have no money. I don't have any money saved for, for furniture. She goes, you tell me what you want to pay for it. And I thought, well, you know, I can't be greedy here. So I think I said like 600 or something. So I gave her 600 bucks for a whole apartment full of furniture that was contemporary. I got my living room furniture, I got my guest bedroom furniture, and I got my master bedroom furniture. Now, you tell me, was that God or not? <laughs> and you know what we were doing? We had the vision before us every night. We are laying our hands and thanking God for that new furniture. God cares about you getting new furniture, ladies. He cares about a lot of things that you don't think he cares about, but he does. He cares if you get new furniture. And, you know, over the years, I've kind of, you know, just life happens, and you're in the ministry and all these things. Sometimes we get busy and we get distracted. Even me. I am a very focused person, but I can get really distracted at times, obviously, because, you know, I let some things go in that area. And so... Um, but now I'm just like, you know, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for some things to happen in my life. I just turned 50 this year, and I thought, I'm 50, and I haven't even accomplished half the things I want to accomplish. I thought, no way. I've got to get serious. I've got to get focused on the Word of God. And these things that I have been believing for him for years are going to come to pass. You watch. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> so, <laughs> and God, he's faithful, okay? Now, Imagination. Okay, this is something you probably don't hear talked about a lot, but we all have an imagination, and you got to use it. The reason God gave it to you was to use with your faith, you know, to imagine things. Amen? You have to see yourself doing whatever it is you're believing for him. You know, you have to see yourself, and the way you do that is you got to get in the word of God, Find some scriptures that speak to your situation or whatever you're trying to accomplish. And you just meditate on that. And you get so full of the word that it's in you. Amen? It's in you and you know it like you know your name. Amen? <clears throat> God gave us this imagination. And I want you to picture what you want. And you have to realize it's like a GPS system. It's going to take you right to where you want to be. But you got to focus, okay? You know, where, wherever your mind begins to head, your mind and stuff, um, I'm sorry, I'm messing up my words. Whatever it is that you're believing God for, your mind will take you in that direction if you stay on the word of God. And, and you'll just naturally start going in that direction. Like this past year, an example out of my life is, you know, I... I've had four kids, and I'm at the point, I'm like, you know what, I want to lose this weight. I'm tired of having this weight on me. And so I started saying, and I said this for over a year, the older I get, the thinner I get, and the more in shape I get. I thought, and that's the way it's going to be. I don't care if I'm turning 50. That doesn't mean I need to gain a bunch of weight. You know, so I've been saying that I am going to be in shape, and I'm going to look better, you know, when I'm older than when I'm younger. And you know what? I lost the weight this past year. And you know what? I ain't gaining it back. The devil used to come to me with fear, you know, every time I'd lose weight, because this is like an ongoing, lifelong thing. As many of you women probably know, you know, we want to keep our weight at a certain weight. And I just thought, nope, devil, I know. I know in my heart I ain't gaining it back this time because I got you and I am not in fear anymore. And I was in fear. I didn't even realize that I was in fear. 
okay? And that was a dream that I'd always had, is just to conquer this thing so I can move on with my life, you know? That may sound funny to some of you, but I'm the type of woman, I get up in the morning and I don't do anything until my makeup's on, my hair's done, and I'm ready to go. That's just how I operate. I don't feel like I can get anything else accomplished until I'm put together for the day. And you know, some women aren't like that, and that's okay. But that's just, that's just how I am. So I'm just trying to paint a picture for you how, this, how big of a deal this weight thing was for me. And you know, God doesn't want your life consumed with your scale, right? He doesn't want your life consumed with things like that. So uh, I just wanna encourage you, whatever dream it is, you know, you gotta see it first. And, you know, and don't listen to all the negative yak, yak, yak that the devil brings your way. Don't listen to it, okay? Because he's just trying to discourage you, get you in fear, get you in doubt and unbelief. And you know what? You, as long as you stick with the word of God and you meditate on it and you keep your relationship, your vertical relationship with God, horizontally, everything else works out. Amen? I'm sorry, I got to take a drink. You know, the older I get, the more I know that, you know, God is everything. And I know you probably think, well, that's a funny thing for a pastor's wife to say. Well, you know, we have to grow too. You know, we don't just jump into the pulpit and super mature, you know, especially when I was 33 years old. You know, I was learning, you know. <laughs> I got to go through some stuff. And that's a whole nother ball game. I don't even want to go there. So <laughs> I've been through some stuff. That's why I'm up here. <laughs> so <laughs> Not that I chose to, but God said, get up there. So anyway, so I am not anywhere on my notes. But I just want to encourage you not to sit in neutral for another year. It's too easy, ladies, to sit in neutral and not have your dreams come to pass. And I know that there are unfulfilled dreams in this room. I don't care what age you are. You got dreams, and there's things you want to do. And I'm telling you, you got to see it, okay? I'm just going to go over a couple uh, quick uh, scriptures here. God said to Abraham in Genesis 13, lift up now your eyes and look from this place where you are. In other words, he was like, get a vision of where you want to be, Abraham. In Jeremiah 1.11, we see the Lord ask, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I guess that's what I'm asking you guys today. What do you see? You know, stop looking at where you are and start looking at where you want to be, Okay. And it's not where you start anyway, it's how you finish. Amen? Goals that are not written down are just wishes. I'm a firm believer in this. You've got to write your goals down. I'm telling you, if you guys do this and you test it out, you're going to find that you accomplish a whole lot more than you thought you ever would. It's happened to me. I'm just like, wow. Because when you write it down and it's in front of you, you know, you're reminded of it daily. You're, you're, you're in focus. You don't forget about it, right? You don't get distracted by the kids or by this. You just make a point to do this. Sit down every night, okay? Um, I want to give you an example. There was this teenage boy. I think he was 15. And he was featured in the National Magazine as an as a adult man, okay? And it was an article that he had written. And um, he made a list of all the things he wanted to do before he died, Okay, um, he was said he was inspired to do this because his grandmother, the whole time he was growing up, would say, "Oh, I wish I would have done that." And then she'd talk about it, and then she says, "I wish I would have done that," and "I wish I would have done that." And he said that he would never say that when he got older. 
He said he was 15 years old and he wrote a list of 127 tasks he wanted to accomplish by the end of his life. Guess how many he completed? 108. Some of you have probably heard that. Okay, so those who write their goals down accomplish significantly more than people that don't. Okay? Amen. Okay. God is good. And he wants you to see these things, okay? He wants you to get a picture in your heart. You know, my, my husband did a message one time on, I don't remember what he called it. It was something about building your faith or framing your world. That's what it was. He talked about framing your world. It was such a good message. He was talking about how you frame your world with the word of God. And, you know, basically it's along the same lines. You know, you frame it in here. You know, you speak what you want, and it'll come to pass. You just have to stay focused. And don't speak against it. Whatever you do, don't speak against it. How many of you know that the first thing out of your mouth when a, when a situation arises, like a problem arises, that is going to steer that thing? One time at the church, we had a, a tornado came and halfway ripped off half of our roof. I was like, gee, if I was going to do that, couldn't you have just blown the whole thing down? We could have built a whole new church. <laughs> so, that was supposed to be funny, ladies. <laughs> but anyway, so I was just like, because, you know, a half of a roof, that just creates a problem for us. And so I said, oh, no. I looked at my husband and I said, we are going to be reimbursed 100% for this roof. Because I just knew the devil was going to fight us on this. And he did. The devil fought us on that roof. That insurance company, they were the biggest stinkers. And they were trying to repair a half a roof. You can't repair half a roof. It's going to leak. You know? And you'd think they would know better. They don't. And so, anyway, um, I told them, I said, we have to stay on this. I just knew. God had just revealed to me, we have to stay on this. And we did. And we did. And it was a fight, you guys. It was a fight of faith. But you know what? They paid for that roof, every cent of it. And I said, yep, you got to stay on it. You got to watch what you say. Because so many people would start saying, oh, great, now we're not going to get the money for this. You know, you can't do that. There's no room for that. We don't have time for that. You know, if we're going to see things move in our direction, in our way, we've got to speak what the word says and stay focused. Okay? So, see it. Okay? Okay, writing goals down is a habit that successful people live by. Okay? Having a plan is what gets your eyes off the past and into the present and future. And you know what else it does? You don't think about yourself so much. You know, when you have a plan for things, you don't sit there and, you know, people that don't have a plan, they just complain and feel sorry for themselves. And they're in self-pity a lot. I've noticed that. Seriously, it's true. If you have a plan, you ain't complaining, you ain't in other people's business, you are focused on what you got to get accomplished. Amen? And that is just the biggest blessing when you got a church full of people that are doing what they're supposed to be doing that way. Did you know there's so much unity in a church when that kind of thing takes place? You know, nobody's fussing and fighting and, you know, they all love each other. Well, have, did you hear what happened with me? I'm believing God for this and this happened. Yay! People are excited for one another. Did you know that's how we're supposed to be in the body of Christ? We're supposed to be excited for our sisters and our brother. When they get blessed, you say, praise God, I'm next, you know? I'm telling you what, a positive attitude will take you a 
long way in life, you know? Just don't give in to the devil and his, you know, causing strife and wanting to get upset with people. Be happy for people because it'll go well with you. Amen? You're that much closer to your dreams coming to pass. Amen? Okay. You guys all know cosmetic genius Mary Kay, right? She, <laughs> she had a $2.4 billion beauty line on wholesale, right? And she attributed her success to the fact that every day she wrote down the six most important things to do. Wasn't she? She was good. She, I mean, she made a lot of money, you know? And she was a success, you know? I thought that was good. Okay, Romans 4.17 says, We serve a God who gives life to the dead and speaks of non-existent things as if they already existed. Aren't you glad? You know, it's not enough just to write it, but you got to speak it. You know, God requires us to speak it, right? Some things will never happen in your life until you begin to speaking them out loud. You know, why? Because you believe you more than anybody else. Isn't that the truth? You know, one of the best things you could do is probably take a tape recorder and record you speaking the word. Amen? Because you believe you. You trust you. Some people, they don't trust anybody but themselves. You know, why not start there? <laughs> Get the word in you, right? And then did you guys know that I am in the English language are two of the most powerful words you can speak? Did you know that your body will take the I am's that you say and it will, it will steer you in that direction in life? It'll cause that thing to happen. When you start saying, I am enjoying life at my perfect weight of 120 pounds, um, so let's, I'm just using weight as an example. Did you know that your body thinks that it needs to have that come to pass? It's like you're programming yourself. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know, he is the great I am. But I read that in a book, in a success book, that your body, it knows when you say that. So if you want something to happen in your life, you know, start speaking the I am. Some of them is, I am blessed. I am prosperous. I am successful. I'm victorious. I'm talented. I'm creative. You know, whatever, you know, I am wise. I'm healthy. I'm in shape. Just start confessing those things. Your body thinks, oh, this is what we're doing now. And it starts taking you that way. Okay? So, I just wanted to encourage you. I thought that was really good. But, you know, we're going to Think about what God wants, right? Amen. And did you know the word meditate? You know, for years I'd heard the word meditate means mutter, which it does. But did you know another word for meditate is imagine? I bet you some of you didn't know that. I didn't know that. I thought, oh, that just paints a whole other picture for me. It Meditate means to imagine. That's why God gave us this imagination, to imagine good things, Right? And so I just want to remind you again, Proverbs 23, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay? Helen Keller was asked once, what could be worse than having no sight? She replied, to have sight but no, have no vision. That's Helen Keller. She couldn't see. Amen? Okay, the second thing, okay, that was see it. Now we're going to talk about believe it. Okay? Did you guys know, and I struggled with this, so I'm assuming if I didn't know, maybe you didn't know, that believing actually is an act of your will. 
I used to say, God, why is it that I'm having such a hard time? You know, I hear your word and I use my faith, but then there's just times I have such a hard time believing that you could do that for me. You know, and God spoke to me and he said, because it's an act of your will. And I just went. So it's up to me to believe God. You know, that's, it's an act of my will. I'll prove it to you. The story of doubting Thomas. We could look in uh, John. I, I want you to turn there because I want you to see this. And John, um, let me get my glasses on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, John chapter 20. We're going to look at verses 24 through 29. it says, but Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, we have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He just said, I will not believe. So you tell me that believing isn't an act of your will. It's an act of your will. There's just, it just comes down to it. Jesus says, only believe. How many times have you heard him say that? Believing is an act of your will. And that, that helped me so much when I was wavering and stuff. I thought, well, I just need to get with it, you know? Yeah, Lord, I will to believe, you know? Because God wants you to believe, right? Didn't he tell us, only believe? So the word says that, we must believe that God is, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And that's Hebrews 11.6. Okay? And God wants your dreams to come to pass, and he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe him. He wants you to believe for whatever you're believing for. In the Webster's Dictionary, believe is accept something as true. Feel sure of the truth of. Okay? Now, Doubting Thomas is an example of somebody who says as an act of his will, I will not believe. But an example of somebody who um, had the right attitude was David. David and Goliath. I love how David had the right attitude. Okay, he had an attitude of faith. Because he said, in 1 Samuel seventeen thirty six, he said, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. Well, what did he do? He threw the stones, stood on them, and cut off his head. Don't you like that? <laughs> I do. Because he's confident, you know? He's confident. He was, and you know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, okay? And that was something that he willed to do, Right? He believed that God was going to be with him. He believed he didn't need that armor. He believed that God went with him as he chose to knock Goliath down. Well, God goes with you too. And you can knock your Goliath down, right? David obviously had a great trust in his God. You know, I believe because of this, the trust that he had in God, he had great favor on his life. Okay? Do you agree that David had great favor? He is a neat person to read about in the Bible. In Ephesians 1.3, here's a few scriptures on, on, on a favor. It says, I have blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Colossians 1.10 says, I have made you worthy. And Psalms 5.12 says, I have surrounded you with favor as a shield. 
You know, all of these scriptures are in the past tense, okay? Like it's already happened, okay? And you must do your part, and your part is to come into agreement with God, amen? You may not feel blessed. You may feel like everything's been coming against you lately. I know even from some people in my church, you know, they're getting attacked in their family, their finances, and their health all at once. And they're just like, what is going on, you know? It's just the devil. I mean, it's the pile-on theory, you know? And your mind is saying, no way am I blessed. I'm dealing with all this stuff. And, you know, that's what the devil wants you to think. You know, you're blessed because God says you're blessed. Everything that Jesus did has been done, and you're blessed. Amen? So instead, you have to say, God, if you say I'm blessed, then I believe I'm blessed. Okay? It's another act of your will, right? You've got to believe it. Okay? Even if your checkbook says you aren't. Even if the economy says you aren't. You can't pay attention to that, okay? But you have to tell God, I know you're the ultimate authority, God. And since you say I'm blessed, I'm blessed. Amen? Let's practice it. Say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen? You got to be tenacious. You know, you got to have some tenacity about you, especially when you're dealing with the devil because he wants to bully you. And you know what? You just got to say right back at you. You know, you don't scare me. And that's the point you got to get to, you know? The devil is just a big roaring lion, lion and the Bible says he is, right? You know, um, I have a couple examples out of my personal life. When I was, um, I think my girls were little, and um, I went on a cruise with my sister because she had won a cruise through some co- lumber company. She was in the real estate business, and she chose me. I was forever grateful that I got to take a free cruise with my sister. And, um, well, when you're on those cruises, you know, you have a boat that goes back and forth, you know, from the boat to the islands to go shopping or what have you. And so I was riding on this boat, and this guy comes up to me, and he's like, and I really wanted this necklace. That was, he was selling sterling silver, and he had it all draped up and down his arms. You know, he's walking around, you know, saying whatever he says. I don't know what it was, but he comes up to me, and he goes, you want one of these? I said, oh, well, yeah. I said, I've always wanted one. It was one of those thick silver herringbone back when those were in style. And anyway, this was years ago. My girls were like two and four or something. I don't know. But anyway, um, so I said, yeah. And he goes, <clears throat> he goes, $60. And I said, nope. I said, I'm not paying 60 And he's like, $40. I'm like, nope. And what he didn't know is I didn't even have the money to pay him. So, you know, I'm, I'm like digging in with my heels. Nope. You know, and he's like, $20. And I said, I don't know. And he goes, look, lady, you're squeezing my neck. He goes, I got to pay my rent. I go, I got to pay my rent, too. <laughs> He just, he didn't like that. He goes, okay, $20, you know, so he gave me this necklace. But, you know, that's just an example of how you have to be tenacious. You have to stick to your guns, you know. The devil ain't going to give up easy, you guys, you know, and he's going to fight you, especially in areas where he knows that you want to, you know, move ahead in. He's going to fight you, and you just have to, like, right back at you, devil. I know what the word says, and the word says, I win, Amen. So I just want to encourage you guys just to have tenacious faith and get in agreement with God. Okay? You know, one time I was sitting in my, my recliner in my bedroom and 
it was like God showed me. It was really weird. I was sitting and I was looking out my window and he showed me outside my, my bedroom window and like in the spiritual realm, he goes, Julie, I've got all these things that are waiting here that are yours. He goes, material things, what did it, whatever you need. He goes, I've got body parts for people. He goes, I have all this stuff in the spiritual realm. He goes, but you need to pull it into the natural realm. And it's up to you. I can't do that for you. You've got to use your faith and pull it in. Okay? And the Bible says in Mark 9, 23, with God all things are possible. Amen? You know, in 2 Corinthians 4, 18, God speaks of non-existent things again as if they already exist. You know, he gave us all this, you guys, so that we could imitate him. He's trying to teach us. If you do these things and you trust in me and you use your faith, you can have these things. You can pull them out of, this, out of the natural realm into the spiritual realm. And you know, sometimes that's hard for us to grasp. I'm a very logical thinker. So to me, I'm just like, you know, when I first got involved in the things of God, I'm like, well, that don't make sense. <laughs> you know, and if it didn't make sense to me, it didn't make sense. That's just how it was. I've grown over the years. And so, but... You know, the older you get and the more you use your faith and trust God, it gets easier, trust me. You know, I'm at the point now, it's like, okay, we're going to make things start moving here <laughs> because I've been doing this too long and I'm far enough along. I know some things spiritually. It's time to start reeling these babies in, right? And you can do it. You can absolutely do it and anybody can do it. You don't have to be a minister, you know? You, you are a minister. You minister to people out in the world every day. But I just want to let you know, you know, sometimes people, congregation members, think that, well, I can't do that. I'm not a minister. Yes, you can. I got this one lady in my church. It blows me away, you guys. She doesn't even come to church half the time. But she's got faith like I've never seen somebody. And she just, whatever she believes God for, it comes to pass. Now, she's got to work on the church attendance thing. But <laughs> I'm a pastor's wife, so I, my heart is to see everybody in church being fed, Okay. Because I don't think she always gets fed on the outside, but I've never seen anything like it. I thought, I'm scratching my head thinking, wait a minute, God, I'm in the ministry, and she's getting more things <laughs> answered than I am. So it doesn't matter who you are, you guys. It's your, it's your belief in God. She believes God, you know? So that's why things are coming to pass for her. She ain't perfect, you know? None of us are. But she ain't, her church attendance isn't perfect, but you know what? That doesn't matter. She believes God. Now, I didn't say that to excuse you from coming to church, okay? <laughs> it's important to come to church. I don't want to, Pastor Debbie to be mad at me. <laughs> but I just, I just found that so fascinating. I thought, wow, I've never seen anything like this. And then she always wins everything. I mean, she's, I'm not kidding you. She's got favor on her life, and she knows it, and she runs with it. That's the key, guys. You got to know it. Okay, so anyway, don't go around saying, oh, I'm not blessed, blah, blah, blah. Let's reprogram our thinking, okay? You are crowned with favor, and you got to get in agreement with God on that, okay? God has already blessed you. Okay, now I'm going to get to my last part of the message. <laughs> there is hope at the end of the tunnel here. Decree it, and I love this part. This is one of my favorite parts. Okay, so you get, you're seeing it, right? And you're believing it now. You're trusting God. You're believing God. Now we're going to decree it. In Job twenty-two twenty-eight, 28, 
It says, Thou shalt also decree a thing, and it shall be established unto thee, and the light shall shine upon thy ways. I remember the first time I heard this. I think it was Brother Robin Roberts is the one that enlightened me to the scripture. He, he was doing a message one time, and I thought, wow, you can decree things. I thought that was so cool. I want to tell you what the definition of the word decree is. It's defined as a rule of law issued by the head of state. Now, in biblical times, the king was the one that had the authority to make decrees, okay? The decree was a written document that was very specific and clear, okay? It was law and had to be carried out according to the king's wishes. And failure to obey the decree was punishable, okay? It's real serious in those days. Okay, establish. This word means to set up on a firm or permanent basis. Reveal to be true based upon the facts. And then declare is declare to make known or state clearly. To announce officially, proclaim, to declare a state of emergency, to declare a winner. So the person making the decree must be in a position of authority and power. Okay? Well, in Ephesians 2... 4 through 7. I guess we can turn there. I haven't had you turn to too many scriptures. I keep thinking of the time factor thing. I don't want to keep you guys too long. <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 4 through 7. It says, But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace Ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Okay, that tells you right there that you guys are worthy. You guys have the authority, and you have, but you have to know it. Okay, before you decree something, you got to know that, hey, I can decree this, and it's going to come to pass. Okay? Because, yeah, that's really important. So when the devil's harassing you, you say, hey, I have authority. You don't. Because he doesn't. Okay? So the person making the decree must be in a position of authority. So we establish that you are. Okay, you have the power and authority to make and decree and expect what's, what's going to be carried out. Okay? Expect that they can be carried out. I'm sorry. State your case and write out the conditions regarding your home, family, ministry, and all that concerns you. So whatever area that you want to decree something in, you got to write it out, okay? We're back to that writing it out thing again. Because you need to see it. You need to be reminded of it, and that's for your sake, okay? To keep you focused and on track. Okay, and then the part that says, the words that you speak shall be established. That means it will be manifested, revealed, and shown to be true as you have spoken it. And the part that says, the light shall shine upon thy way, which means there will be enlightenment in your mind and spirit that will cause you to see clearly the path that is laid before you. You will not stumble or be unsure, but will have clarity, purpose, and direction. Amen. So therefore, you have the power and the, and the authority to speak it out, right? Amen. You know, and you got to expect this to come to pass in your life. Okay, if you expect it and you believe it, God will do it. Amen. So many people, you guys, they drop it. You know, they just think, oh, it's not happening when I wanted it to happen. No, you, you can't think of that. You just have to just keep on going. You decree it. You believe God. You got your scriptures. And then you thank him. 
You have to thank God, okay? You know, that's a really missing key nowadays, I think. People are not thankful. Do you know how much happier of a person you are when you're thankful? If you just get up and you say, God, I just thank you for this day. I just thank you that the sun's out. I haven't seen the sun in a week. I am just so thankful. You can be thankful for even little things, you guys. And once you start going down that road and you're thankful for the little things, you, you're going to be amazed at how many things you're going to start being more thankful for. And you're going to appreciate your family and your friends and your husband. You've got to try this. You know, if your husband throws his dirty socks or his underwear on the floor or what have you, leaves a mess. You know, sometimes... Women go like, oh, brother, do I have to pick up this? You know, don't complain. Be, thank you, Jesus. I have a husband that I can pick up after. There's a lot of women out there that want your husband. So you should be <laughs> thankful you have him. Not look at the negative, right? Well, it's the truth. There are women that would be happy to take care of your husband. So... <laughs> Don't take them for granted. You know, we get, us women, you know, sometimes we can be, you know, like things perfect and maybe I'm talking about myself. I'm kind of a perfectionist. I like things neat and orderly and beautiful and I like things to work well. I want everybody to be happy. Well, you know, then I got put in the ministry and I realized that is not reality, Julie. (laughs) So... You know, not, and I don't mean to sound derogatory about the ministry. It's just that in the ministry, you deal with people. So, you know, reality hit me, and I was like, wow. You know, and I, I'm just, I had the attitude for you as people. I just want everybody to get along. I just want everybody to be happy. You know, I'm nice to people. You know, I make sure I don't say things that will make them mad or upset them. I'm kind to people. I compliment, me, compliment people. And they still come against me. Can you imagine? <laughs> Some people just don't like me. And some people don't like you either. So did you know that 25% of the people in the world are not going to like you? They just flat out won't like you. <clears throat> so accept it. Okay? The next... It's true. The next 25% don't like you either, but they could be persuaded to like you. The next 25% like you, but could be persuaded to dislike you. And then there's 25% of you that love you, that love me and love you. That's the t- statistics, guys. So don't, don't be upset when somebody doesn't like you. I mean, because that's just reality. I told my kids that. You know, there's just some people that aren't going to like you. They just don't know you. So, and it's true. So, anyway, how did I get off on that? <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about the conditions. There's always conditions that you must meet in order to have the authority to do anything in the kingdom of God. Okay, and Deuteronomy 28.1 says, And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe and do all his commandments, which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. So there's conditions, right? Okay. So when you hear, receive, and obey the word of God, you are given the power to decree the word. Okay? Speak the word. You can do this. Believe and expect it. Okay? Believe and expect. Know that you have the right. You're a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You know, sometimes what you may have to do is just get in the word of God and go over those scriptures you know, one, another good thing to do, you guys, is in the Ephesians prayers, in Ephesians, 
Those are good prayers to even pray over yourself. Not only other people, but just yourself. That the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. Because I don't care who you are, or how long you've been in ministry, or what have you. You still need more enlightenment, you know? The longer you're on this earth, you know, some people think, well, I've arrived. You haven't arrived. We are going to be learning from the, from the time, from today until we die. We'll be learning, you know. And if somebody tries to tell you they know it all, don't listen to them. Because they don't know it all. And so, um, one of the things I wanted to cover in the story with Decree, and it's one of my favorite stories in the Bible, it's with Esther. You guys all know who Esther is? Esther, I liked her. Did you guys ever see that movie? Is it One Night with the King? I like Esther. She was bold. And, you know, Esther asked the king to do something about Haman. Because Haman wanted all the Jews wiped out on a certain day, right? You remember that story? Because he hated Mordecai, because Mordecai was a Jew. And Mordecai wouldn't bow down to him. And Haman didn't like it. And so... In the New King James Version, in the book of Esther, I didn't write down the chapter, did I? Well, it's verse 8. It says, You yourselves write a decree concerning the Jews as you please in the king's name, and seal it with the king's signet ring, for whatever is written in the king's name and sealed with the king's signet ring, no one can revoke. Now, you guys, this story, that's like a type and shadow for us. You know, you got to view the king, Right? No one can revoke what the king decreed. Well, that's what it's like with you and I with Jesus, right? The king of kings and lord of lords. He's decreed that there's things that he's saying that you can do this. You have the spiritual authority to do this. You have permission to do this. Amen? Jesus said, whatever you ask in my name, I will do it for you. You know, I don't think Jesus lies. You know, we, we're the ones that have to take his word at face value. And no, he's telling the truth. And you have to make a decision. It's an act of your will. You got to believe. Remember, Jesus said, only believe. You know? And I just want to remind you today as I'm closing, don't forget these three things. You got to see it, you got to believe it, and you got to decree it. And you know, there may be one of those areas you guys have a problem with. Mine was the uh, believing it. And when God showed me, Julie, it's an act of your will. You need to decide to believe me. And it's like, oh. And I was, you know, me and my little logical mind analyzing everything, thinking, is that simple? Yeah, it's that simple. <laughs> so, but I just, I hope you guys got something out of the message today. I just really wanted to encourage you, you know, don't give up on your, you know, God put those dreams in your heart. And like I said, if you don't, if you don't know, if you say, Julie, I don't even know what I dream what I would do, we'll start dreaming and asking God about it. Say, God, is there something that you want me to do? You know, he'll tell you. He'll talk to you and say, yes, this is what I want you to do. Because I guarantee you, every person that he ever created, he's got a plan for. You're no exception. He's got something for you to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe it is a challenge for each one of us here, uh, regardless of age. You know, sometimes as you get older and you accomplish some things in your life, you kind of wonder what's left, you know. But I believe some of the younger ones here maybe have the same struggle. You're dealing with what, 
what am I here for? What my what is my purpose? And Julie's so right. <laughs> God's got a plan for each and every one of you. I don't care what your age is. As long as you're breathing, he has a plan for you. And if you've accomplished one plan, then he has got another plan for you. It's ongoing. As long as you breathe on planet Earth, he's got stuff for you to do. And um, I just you know, appreciate the challenge that he's brought through her today for each one of us, women of God, that we seek him earnestly. God, what is it? If you don't know what it is, or if you do know what it is, maybe there's more. God, is there more? But really, come before him with your whole heart and and really want to know what the answer is when you seek him for that answer. Okay, God, what, what do you want me to do on planet Earth here to make my time go into eternity worth something? Because it doesn't matter how big or little it is. If he's calling you to do something, you want to do it because it will go into eternity. So thank you for that challenge today. Hallelujah. We all need that. I, I, every one of us in here needs it, no matter where we are, who we are, what's going on in our life. We really do need that. And so um, thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Um, I, I just thought of something. I'm kind of like you. Um, I like to cover all bases. I forgot to thank our sound man. Praise God for Larry, okay? I have a real heart for sound personnel because nobody notices them or PowerPoint either until something goes wrong and then all the eyes go back there. Otherwise, you don't, you're invisible back there when you're doing everything right. And so thank you and thank you and thank you all for coming. Hopefully you made some new friends today. Um, and I, and I promise you someday in the future, we are going to mix and mingle. So come prepared, not scared. Ooh, that rhymes. It's a Pastor Dan. <laughs> um, because it is. It's exciting. And, and um, I don't know why I'm going there, but it, it is exciting. And, you know, um, it's nice to be comfortable, but God wants us to step out of our comfort zone. And it's amazing when you find um, some people that you don't know and you just go, wow, this is this was actually fun today. I got to be some new people, make some new friends. And um, so feel free to fellowship.